How could Sukal have caused the burn? How is that even possible? I can't prove it without a scan, but I suspect he's a polyploid. It's when normal chromosomal separation is disrupted in utero, it can cause an individual's genes to be affected by their environment, and this environment has massive concentrations of dilithium. Not to mention whatever is outside. Welcome to Strange New Takes. I'm your host, Natch Karnik, and with me to discuss the new uniforms for a solid three hours are... Bill Boywad. Adam Bowen. And Emily Bowen-Marler. Strange New Takes is a Star Trek-themed podcast that we started when we heard the news about the new show, Strange New Worlds. But hey, there's a whole lot more Star Trek that's coming out before that, so we decided to jump on in for a welcome distraction from insurrectionist activities in our nation. And so today, we're excited to be bringing you That Hope Is You, Part 2. It's a great way to uh, not think about the insurrection for a little bit. And if you want to talk to us about our podcast, you can do that at Strange New Takes on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Tell your friends about the podcast on social media. Tell your friends about the podcast in real life. That's how we share our love uh, with more people and and get get to have some more listeners and more people tweeting at us to tell us what they think about Star Trek so that we can uh, all be talking about a little bit more and you can talk to us about Star Trek Insurrection if you so wish. Uh, also give us a five-star rating on iTunes because if you do, I'll read it on the pod and bonus, it helps us appear a little bit higher when somebody searches for Star Trek podcasts on the iTunes feed. All right, and and just to underscore that, if you guys leave a review, Notch will read it verbatim on the podcast. So just you know, uh-huh. <laughs> um, yeah. And so we're we're going to be discussing the most recent episode, so there will obviously be spoilers about that episode. But um, since we're mega nerds, we may be referencing the entirety of Star Trek canon. It's all fair game. So if you're not up to speed, just beware that there will be spoilers. <clears throat> And those are going to start just about now because we're going to jump into talking about That Hope Is You Part 2, as we talked about. Part 2 coming uh, 12 weeks after Part 1. Uh, it is the 13th episode of Star Trek Discovery's third season. It was written by Michelle Paradise, the greatest named person in human history. Directed by Altende Osunsanmi. It's in University 3189. And here is a summary from Memory Alpha, which is nice and short. As the emerald chain tightens its grip, what happened to the weight of the chain? I feel like we're mixing metaphors, mm. and that is not a good thing. As the weight of the emerald chain becomes heavier, and the mystery of the burn is finally solved, Burnham and the crew have one last chance to save themselves and the Federation. Uh, I wonder if it ha- will happen. Okay. All right. <laughs> Your strange new takes, please. Okay. I, I've got one. Okay, so my my strange new take is um, I'm I'm just going to reference the Twitter account Riker Googling. If you guys don't know Riker Googling, you should all follow this account. It's really <laughs> funny. It is what it sounds like. It's just Riker's Google search terms. Uh, just <laughs> at random, I'm picking one. Nipples itch after transporter. <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, yeah. I'm uh, never getting on a transporter. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I, th- I mean, I don't know. I, th- I thought this episode was good. It was a, a solid finale, probably to the best um, overall season story arc that we have had in Discovery so far. It was a little bit over-indexed on the action for me. But I thought basically it was it was fine, and all the pieces came together, and there were some nice character elements. So I, I thought it was good. So I think I'm going to jump right in there with some uh, the the hard contrast here. Here, but for, first for my uh, uh, real world take, um, it's just nice having little uh, stuffed animal things on your desk, and I have this weird looking owl that has four legs instead of uh, wings, and it's delightful. So get yourself some stuffed animals, people. Uh, For the episode itself, uh, we did stick to the season season three's theme uh, that we need to take better care of ourselves, but damn, it was hokey. So that's what I got (laughs) to (laughs) say. Okay, well, my strange new take is that we actually shouldn't totally divert ourselves from insurrections that are happening in our nation, and we should find ways to fight against those impulses and speak up when we see injustice being enacted and correct people when they are grossly sharing disgusting misinformation. So do your part. Um, Hey, wait a minute. I asked for a strange new take, not like the most normal, like... This is a strange new take for some of the people that I encounter in my world. Anyway, um, and as far as the episode goes, um, I mean, come on, that hope is you. We shouldn't have been complaining about Michael Burnham being the savior of every episode because the title at the beginning and the end of the season clearly telegraphed that the hope of everything in the universe is in Michael Burnham. So we're going to get to that, as you can oh, imagine, yeah, in you know. some more detail. Um, <laughs> yeah. So my my strange new take is that adding 40 square inches to a desk actually makes a huge difference. I did this a few weeks ago and it has been tr- like genuinely transformative in my workday because instead of having to like make piles of messes everywhere and then clean them up, I can just like organize stuff in a, in a larger space. So do that. It's, it's very good for you uh, if you need it. On this episode, I... I think I have to be satisfied that we got something that, in my opinion, was stronger than the Picard finale. Uh, in my opinion, and maybe we can do some comparative stuff there. Um, I don't think I'm entirely satisfied, and maybe y'all can convince me otherwise, or or maybe we exacerbate those feelings. Uh, but it was okay and yeah we got what we needed we got uh, to a point where the main actor who's number one in the call sheet is the captain and in a in a in a funny way that was very it was very like i don't think there was anything in this episode that was that was kind of unexpected uh it was it's very like straight line okay we got to get from here to there let's just take the, the clearest path and all the bad guys die all the good guys do exactly what they're supposed to do. There's no unexpected twists and turns of, like, fate. And there we go. I think the, the only thing that I say is I did not expect to see the, like, Kelpian family's bodies. Uh, that, was, that was, like, intense stuff in those scenes where they walk out onto the, like, ship. 
but anyway, let's move into talking about this episode somewhat more in depth. Always, we start with story and writing. So uh, before we get in, I just want to point out next week is going to be our season recap episode. So this episode, we're going to try to stick more to what happened in the finale. Maybe a little bit of talk of what's come before and how it led to this, but we'll, we'll do our like season long wrap up next week. So let's start with the biggest reveal of this episode and and it's been it's been created through the entire season but this episode we found out that yes the burn was caused by Sakal and specifically it was caused when his mother died and he shouted out in in grief and I wanted to ask y'all how you felt when you find out that that was the burn yeah I <clears throat> I liked it um I thought it was a in you know for like a big bad like a season arc level threat that they have to address this one was much better than the ones that they've done in the past um because it was more personalized and it's still kind of like burnham saving the galaxy but with a, a smart twist to it and it's solving a mystery and yeah and it's it's humanized or personalized in the character of sukal um and you know the stuff were like his DNA is integrated with dilithium or whatever. I mean, okay, fine. It's Star Trek. I, I can, <laughs> I can buy that. Um, so I didn't, it wasn't like great. I didn't find it to be super compelling, but I thought it was solid and definitely better than, than what they had done in the past. <clears throat> yeah. I, I think I largely agree. It, it's a sort of thing where I think for me, a lot of the, the tension and like how I'm feeling about any particular episode in this season, I, I do think they stuck to their themes pretty well. So it's, it's kind of a, I, I felt it was kind of hokey, but like, yes, it, it does connect with our idea of like, we need to take better care of ourselves. Like connecting with each other is like the thing that we're trying to be doing. Like, so yeah, his, his feelings blew up the galaxy, I guess, but <laughs> <laughs> at least I, it I wasn't like at least it wasn't like Saul Ty playing on the violin or like when Starbuck is on the piano and it's like it's yeah. the music. Yeah, it, I, there, there was no uh, like banjo trio or whatever that I was worried about earlier on. So like that uh, ten out of ten because they didn't do that. So I I, I, I just I'm I'm very appreciative to the writers who understand that there was that third writer in the room who's like, wait, that part of BSG sucked. Uh, and uh, they made sure to cut out all the references to, to it in the second half of the season. They made sure that we just explained it away as like, oh, it's the distress call encryption key. The it was so dumb that they brought it up in the first place if they weren't going to do anything with it. So Yeah, yeah. It, just, it was just to make me mad. And then... That, that was the goal. They actually were sitting in the room and they said, what will make Adam Bowen mad? I think if we introduce some music to be the key to the season, I think that will make his head explode. Well, so. and, and this is, I mean, this is a question that is worth exploring at some point, right? And I don't know, do the, is this show written entirely, like all the scripts done by the time they film the episodes? Because it used to be that with Star Trek in the past, you would have week-to-week -week scripts. So you would leave yourself some crumbs in a previous episode, but you didn't necessarily know how you were going to eat those later. Uh, West Wing is a great example of that, actually, in terms of writing. There are a lot of little things in various West Wing episodes that you that when they happen, you're like, that's gonna that's, that string is going to get pulled, and never does. 
uh, because the writers didn't see its need. So I, I do wonder if there was an element of some of these scripts being written as the season was going on. I doubt it, but I don't know. Yeah, I, I think the way they do it now, because, yeah, they used to, even with, like, Lost, like, 12 years ago or whenever that was, that by the time they started airing the beginning of the season, they still hadn't, like, filmed the final episodes, right? right. And so there was room to kind of course correct. But, I, I mean, I think they may, I'm, I'm sure that they have at least, like, a plot outline for every episode, and maybe they tweak it a little bit, but I and I, and I think all... Basically, all the post-production is done by the time they um, put the first episode up, I, I think. Oh, for sure. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah. This season <clears throat> was completely ready by the time. And yeah, there are, yeah. but there, as we're going to find out, there are some things that are changed, even between mm. like the script being written and the show coming on air. Mm. Uh, not going to spoil that for now, but we'll get to it. Um, yeah, so, so we found out what the burn is. The program is slowly dying. It ends by the end of the episode. One piece of that that I thought was one of those like strings that didn't get pulled was really the kelp monster. It just kind of disappears and there's no like there's no like confrontation and maybe that is just a, a sign that our fears aren't really kind of that important uh, that maybe when we confront our fears they we can get through them without it being a big deal. I, I don't know. do we can we make our fears into a bigger deal than they are? Like is, am I do we just laugh sense? at them and say ridiculous? <laughs> and then they disappear and go away. I mean, sorry, uh, Harry Potter. Okay. Yeah, I, I got that Harry Potter reference. Okay, there thanks. we go. Don't worry. <laughs> uh, so, I, I I feel like we... I think it, it was a bit more than just that our fears are are baseless. Because the, the, the kelp monster does... It's It seems like it's trying to... I, like, I was trying to decide if it's trying to lead him into the room where his mother's dead so he can deal with it. Or if it's protecting him from that. But it, it's, yeah, it, it ended up kind of fuzzy for me as far as, like, what the final purpose of the monster was. Well, they just made it seem more important than it ended up being. Like, yeah. I I thought my idea was pretty cool that the kelp monster was going to end up being. Yeah, that, uh, that was my, call, but my viewing of it, too. Just, I mean, it just seemed like, I mean, there seemed to be... Burnham was able to have some interaction with the kelp monster. Why yeah. would Burnham be able to have any interaction with the kelp monster if it's Sukal's fear? Anyway, I, so it just seemed like they set it up for it to be cooler than it ended up being. Yeah. Or they ran out of time in the episode. They were just like, oh yeah. my God, we're already at an hour and one minute. We just have to just cut that part out. <laughs> I mean, it's very possible that there was some sort of scene there, but that in post they were like, it's going to take too long to to animate properly but who knows i mean uh, but i think it is shared that that was an unfulfilling ending to something that was built up mm -hmm. pretty big in the in the uh, episodes prior i think the thing that i'm still struggling to make sense of and i'm hoping that y'all can help me with is the theme of this episode so all of this happens they get beamed onto discovery and this episode ends with the theme of the need to connect is at our core as sentient beings michael burnham says that there's a quote from gene roddenberry about connecting with other people where he says something to the effect of the whole point of life is making friends and if you've got a couple of them you're ahead of most people or something like that and what what do y'all think did, did was that clear to you did that connect because i i personally i'll just be honest i was sitting there thinking i'm how uh yeah i guess okay 
Well, you know, if I th- I think if we were to go, and maybe this is something that is going to come out more in our conversation next week. But I mean, if you look at the whole point of this season was to try to find ways to reconnect the Federation. Um, that's what Discovery was doing. Discovering Discovery kind of was the connecting point for all of the different threads that were happening because it was the one ship that was able to jump to all of the different locations. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think maybe they were putting that thread without, but then they did they. It, it, there wasn't this driving feeling throughout the season that that was the theme until the very end. They're like, Hey, the theme was connection. And I don't know if that's because of the <laughs> pandemic and all the disconnection people are feeling. And so they wanted to somehow speak to that. Yeah. D- even it's though an ADR all of this, of like they said connection more times. <laughs> right. Well, cause, cause uh, I mean, all of this was basically done. The filming was wrapped and the writing would have been done before the pandemic hit. Right. post-production happened during once the pandemic already happened you know so mm-hmm. anyway i wonder if any of that was to kind of try to mm. weave in some stuff and i, I, I can definitely like... see the the postscript from uh gene roddenberry being as like a p- purposeful thing because of the pandemic bill you look like you had some feelings on this topic yeah i mean i think it kind of worked i mean the the stuff with um saru and sukal was nice and I think did touch on that theme, but that was the B plot, right? Like what mm-hmm. I said at the beginning, like I think they over-indexed on the action just a, a little bit. And so it takes a backseat to that. And I don't know. Yeah. And, I mean, and for, for me, the, the uh, action was kind of the part that was undoing what was great about the previous episode and also not connected to our theme very much. It was sort of like the, the the true thing that we need to make sure to do is to kill the bad guy because that realize that helps us realize how connected we all need to be to each other. Yeah, Osira, you didn't hear it, but it was very soft. It was like as she was pushing Burnham into the program launch. I'm making you connect with the programmable matter who needs a friend, just like Gene Roddenberry said. Like that was she was saying that. Um, yeah, it was just muffled. Right. Okay. Well. Okay. Let's talk about Osira, because the Osira that we got in this episode, if the last, okay, if the last episode hadn't happened, if all we got was Osira breaks into Starfleet's shield, next scene is all the ships firing, and this episode, it would have been completely internally consistent. Like, we wouldn't have missed yeah. a thing, right? Like, yeah, the, the whole- we, would, we would just need to have, like, a, a scene where uh, Stamets is beamed out, and, like, then it, it nothing, yeah, this, the previous episode doesn't matter, essentially. And I wanted to ask you about your takes now on Osira, especially given what we've seen in this episode. Like, we're not going to see her again unless programmable matter, like, animates her corpse a la that uh, guy in um, the Section 31 guy in Season 2. Leland. <laughs> Leland, yeah, yeah. Leland. Leland. Yeah. I don't think that's going to happen. So, uh, what, what, what do we think? I mean, there was... It just made her go back to the annoying... Yeah. dumb villain that i thought she was in the beginning not dumb but i mean just in the i just wasn't interested in it in the you know the person who's just bad for bad sake um but that's what she ended up being in this episode so yeah it was disappointing that the development that they did for her character in the previous episode didn't matter at all yeah and, and I, it just and also I, says don't ever trust anybody who comes in and tries to negotiate with you because they're just going to f and stab you in the back and then incinerate the person who's standing next to you yeah it so. for for me it kind of um 
the the characters certainly don't realize that the sort of the conclusion to this season is worse off for everybody. Uh, and I'm not sure that the writers even realize that because it, like the reality is it would have been better if we had a federation that had all of the strength of the chain that we had solved some of the problems with uh, like ending slavery and whatnot. It, slavery might not end in the chain. It, it the, the like we're kind of counting on the chain is going to be slowly crumbling which we also saw how great it went when the romulan empire uh slowly crumbled uh so it, this is just a i i don't know this is this is a worse outcome and it's we no one knows that that's what happened and we yeah like like emily said the, the <clears throat> that part of the episode or like the last two episode arc like it goes against that connection theme and it's it's like it's i think it's a weird take for star trek to go with well we don't we haven't seen it there are some so just real quick there are some breadcrumbs i think that this episode has left us with and we'll touch on them as we go through talking about it but i think that's one we just had this mm-hmm. one line about the the chain is crumbling and and what does that mean mm-hmm. yeah i i mean so last last episode they they telegraph it and I didn't appreciate this at the time but when Vance at the end of their negotiation he's like okay one more thing you have to go on trial and she's like no way and storms off okay I mean at that point there's only one way that can end right mm-hmm. just from like a narrative standpoint like we know like basically the next episode probably Osira will will get killed off right that there's no other way to play that I think uh, so. I don't know. I mean, I I thought I, I think I maybe appreciate her character a little bit more than than you guys. I think for just like a uh, a generic bad guy, she's a little bit better than just a totally one dimensional, straight up bad guy, but not a lot better. Um, and I think I don't think it's totally inconsistent. You know, I mean, she you know because of her own self-interest went to vance and tried to negotiate but wasn't able to get over she wasn't able to basically self-sacrifice right and so she storms off and and suffers the consequences yeah Yeah, so so i i think that that is that's fair but the the thing that that i guess is worrying me is that i'm not sure that we're ever going to get kind of a resolution like we're not i don't know that we're ever going to see the the stuff that she had done to try to bring things closer to peace and that like vance in particular is just going to be like that was a good call yeah yeah i see what you're saying we're not going to reckon with what happened in the previous episode in a deep way yeah whereas we are we we have wrapped up the like osiris story we haven't wrapped up the federation chain possibilities that were let go it's kind of the difference between i think we got the voyager ending rather than the deep space nine ending is that fair? I think so. Well, you okay. know, I think I think that my quibble maybe isn't so much with what they did in the last two episodes with her. It's still with what they did with her in the first few episodes that they had her in. Like, I mm. still, I don't know. I wish they hadn't had her kill her nephew. And I wish mm. they hadn't. Like, there were, there were a few things that they had her do that were just so, like, I'm the evil <laughs> yeah, yeah, person yeah. and I'm going to do these bad things. <laughs> Um, and that's really what what hurt the overall aspect of the character for me, I think. Um, mm-hmm. 
because I mean they did try to give her some nuance, but just introducing her the way they I don't know I I think my I think maybe my quibble is more with the episodes pre earlier in the season with her rather than these can, last two. Can you just imagine if Dolor was still around and then like while something's happening he you know to distract the enemy he's just like give me the mic baby baby oh <laughs> and he's just like everyone's entranced by the music and <laughs> that, that was the alternate scenes. ending to the season. We, yeah we missed it we missed it. Hey let's let's move on talking about the bridge cruise plot in this episode where we had the classic Mass Effect 2 suicide mission uh, unfortunately, the Mass Effect, I think, has ruined this, like, the idea of a suicide mission for everything else in my mind, because that's all I can think about every time there's a group of characters like, we're not going to come out of this alive. And it's like, you played enough times, all of you will come out of it alive. Or maybe yeah. the first time, the, like, the guy you like the most dies, but then after that, just keep playing it. You got save game copies. Um, anyway... We had the crew slowly getting the oxygen pulled out because the cider is actually really considerate and isn't like, you know, just get rid of all the oxygen. Maybe we shouldn't leave a, a group of people alive to like slowly recapture the ship. Let's just, you know, get it done with. Uh, and then I, I don't know if y'all have noticed in previous, well, I don't know how far back it goes, but definitely this season when you're walking through parts of the ship and there are corridors, there are spacesuits like at every like, yeah, like the Junction. I think the um, the memorial to to fallen officers is actually in front of a uh, an evac suit, right? Uh, or an EVA suit, not evac. And also for a ship that is in space, there is a distressing lack of emergency oxygen. There's like one canister, uh, <laughs> and the entire engineering compartment, which never fills with harmful gases, has one. So, <laughs> it's it's. I mean, okay, all right, we, we'll, that, then's the plot, we'll just, you know, move on, because it's, it's, I think, I didn't think about it very much during the episodes, only after it ended, I was like, hey, wait a minute, <laughs> and so, so we got this suicide mission, how many of you thought, oh, I was gonna die, and we were, we were gonna have to wave goodbye to Joanne? I was holding on to the hope that they were not gonna kill another black woman, or another woman of color in the yeah. show. And I was hoping that that would save her life because I was like, no, you are not about to kill another person of color on this show. Anyway. Yeah. I, uh, I, I, I was thinking that maybe we were going to kill off somebody like Ina or whatever, or like a character that we just like, didn't know anything about and it existed for one, one episode, but uh, yeah, we then just, everyone's fine. So I think it would have been great if it had been like Star Star Wars, where like, oh whoa, there's an explosion in the cell, and like the last scene is Burnham fighting Osira, and then oh whoa, like flies in from the window, like Leia style, <laughs> and then like has been holding her breath the whole time, and like fixes the problem. <laughs> I I I will genuinely I think. I think from a from the standpoint of of our show and the bigger themes, I think you're absolutely right, Emily. I think it's a good thing uh, generally to have Oo back. I like her character quite a bit. Mm -hmm. I think I did expect there to be some loss, and there wasn't. I guess yeah. that's a good thing. I don't I don't need yeah. someone to die, but uh, I really expected that to go a very different way. Even the dot survives the robot. Like they couldn't yeah. kill the robot. <laughs> 
Uh, that, that was a very confusing part of this episode for me because we sort of start out with like, oh, the dots are completely expendable because we just see like two of them just get exploded immediately. <laughs> and we don't care. Like no one's worried about it. I, I, uh, I was watching with my wife and she, she like gasped and was like, oh no, because she like, she understood that they, they are cute and we should, we should want to save them. But like, I was like, oh, oh, oh they're just robots. Don't worry about it. Like. They'll just keep exploding. But then we cared for some reason, and we like wanted to one. save the last one, which I, I don't like. I, I'm guessing maybe the explanation is like this sphere data was for some reason only on the robots or something, and like that's why it was important that that one got resurrected. But I like where the hell are the, re- the robot replicators? I thought that these things were just like printed out when you lost one. But, well, right. and there there were a lot of them. Like there were more than just two that got destroyed in the you know. Yeah, so I th- I we think just saw were... the three at the end of yeah. the previous episode, but there were a lot more. I think more there that were at least four that got destroyed. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it was it was kind of odd that they they made a big deal out of the dots in the last episode, and then there was just like that one scene in the last scene, which yeah. I guess I mean that's what they were needed for. Uh, we did finally. For the first time in Star Trek ever, get a scene where the captain realizes, oh, wait, I can just beam my enemies off the ship. Bloop. Done. <laughs> like, yeah. it's over. Wow. Great. Also, like, that bloop, the machine learning interface is great being like, oh, that's right. There was this one enemy that the main enemy, who I have recognized due to vocal patterns, was against and had grown a conscience. So I shouldn't beam that person away. And I should keep them so they're awkwardly there in the last scene, despite technically being a bad guy. And so I'm going to keep him because that actor might need to come back in pre- future episodes because we really like him. And so I'm glad Aurelio's around. It's just like there was no explanation as to how he was still there. Um, also, if, if if he didn't qualify as a regulator, Hans Gruber's body is somewhere in the turbolift lift abyss, just like banging around, <laughs> <laughs> hitting things. You know. He wasn't a regulator, though. Yeah, he don't a, ever. I don't feel like he was a reg. Well, yeah, I was gonna say like he. Well, yeah, but I mean, they clearly he served. He clearly served a different purpose. So you know, and he also clearly showed that he was distressed to see that Osira was you know a lot worse. The, and the by computer, the way, did oh go ahead. Well, the, the computer. Uh, it when you issue a command like that, it looks deep into the hearts. <laughs> of uh, the, the moral beings of each person that it's thinking of uh, murdering, right. and then it, it makes a judgment call. <laughs> now, I don't know if this is the point to say this or not, but did anyone else think that maybe Osira wasn't dead and they were somehow going to have her show back up? Like, Yeah, Je- Jenny wanted her to be double-tapped. So like, she's not oh, dead. Like, yeah, no, we <laughs> no, Travis and I were the same. We were like, and I, and I was like, they're not going to do that. If they don't do that, I will be thankful that the writers did not do that, that they didn't do the whole horror scene trope where you don't make sure that the person's dead and then, you know, they have the ability to come back up and take over the ship again or whatever. But we did that in episode two with Hans Gruber. Like, they were like, and you will learn your lesson by going out into the ice. And well, that's what I'm saying. Like, they didn't, they didn't, we didn't, like, stand over Osira's body and, like, make sure that she was dead. It yeah, wasn't that scene boring. where somebody like lifts up the palm and is like listening and then like they yes. go down and it's like, ah, okay, he's dead, Jim. <laughs> um, okay, so uh, moving on, we uh, Zari, Hans Gruber, he, he got taken out and, uh, you know, his purpose was to move the plot along and he did and then he got moved along himself. 
I will say I hate him even more than Osira as far as characters that have been written for Star Trek. Like, he's the worst. Osira's not the worst. He's the worst. Okay. okay. Go ahead. I think that's fair. I think that's fair. Uh, his hair could have been better, too. But anyway, mm-hmm. let's talk about um, Burnham as captain, because that's where this episode ends on. Uh, and the uniforms, of course, but that's for our episode two weeks from now, where we'll be spending hours discussing that and that alone. <laughs> but Burnham becomes captain because Tilly says, we need you to lead us. Vance says, you were the one who wrestled with how to be what this time requires of us. Man, that's a unwieldy sentence. Um, and then Saru had somewhat, somehow asked for her to be made captain as well when he decided to leave for Kaminar. And so what the writers were essentially doing is saying, hey, Burnham's the captain and everybody you like is going to like make sure that they've had their say in Burnham being made captain. So don't complain about it. <laughs> and before we go into this, I do want to say one thing, though. I think... Again, Discovery was the season was supposed to come out before Lower Decks. So Burnham is the first black woman to be a captain on a Star Trek show as as a regular character. And I think that that is something that we should acknowledge. I think we should also acknowledge that I I have been really thinking, I think, about if there's unconscious bias driving some of my uh, decisions about whether Burnham should be captain or not and trying to confront that in a very active way. Because I... I th- I've, I've been trying to figure out where my feelings are about that. And I think we should also think about that a little bit um, and maybe talk about how much or how little that might be driving the issue. Um, I think one of the things that I struggle with is, is I think some of the breadcrumbs from previous episodes that led us to this point, I, I feel like Burnham almost, some of my quibbles are that they've kneecapped her character in terms of, like, you know, the time when she flew off to help book without checking with anybody. Um, some of the times mm-hmm. that she was insubordinate to Saru. Those things weren't necessary. And I, f- I feel kind of angry that they were included. And now that they've been included, that they've kind of been brushed aside. I think that's that's some of where my, my the friction comes in between my at least desire to have this be accepted. Rather than it being like a, you've been in the burn landscape for a year... You're obviously a really smart person, like we've seen in the past two years. You should be captain immediately, and we should be happy about it. And you're going to lead us with a, with common sense, because that's, you know, you've developed that over a year of being in this landscape. And I feel like we didn't, to some extent, I didn't need there to be this, like, winding path. And that we, we should have just seen Burnham being made captain, because the credibility was there. I don't know what y'all think about that. Yeah, Burnham in general, not just this season, but it's she just kind of vacillates between like almost getting her act together enough to be captain and then doing something irresponsible and getting busted down. And the first one or two times it was kind of a coherent arc, but then it just becomes confusing and it's like, okay, what where is she at at this point in the series? It's kind of hard to tell. And um, but having said all that, I, th- th- those are mostly uh, grievances about earlier episodes in the season. I thought the Burnham Captain stuff in, in the finale was uh, quite good, and I, I felt good about her becoming the captain at the end, and they figured out a nice way to do it without having to bust down Saru. Um, yeah. I don't know if it was a nice way, but they figured out a way. 
um, to do that. Yeah, he, so. he didn't need to be disciplined because he made a bad call with, like, sacrificing the crew f- to save Sakal or whatever, or things like that. Yeah, right. yeah. Yeah, so I'm 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 happy for Burnham, and, you know, I think it'll be fun to see her actually be the captain next season. I know, I, I felt tremendously satisfied seeing her become captain, even though I liked Saru being captain, but I just, it just kind of felt like, oh, no, I think this is, I mean, this is how it's supposed to be. And also just like, it's just awesome to have a black woman be the captain of the show on the show, you know? So that, mm-hmm. I mean, that alone was cool. I also found, I'm going to have to watch this episode again. I wish I had time to watch the episodes twice before we do these, but I had time with lower decks. I don't have time with an hour long episode, but um, I felt like, Maybe it was how Tilly was being captain. I just started to wonder, and maybe you can't do this. Maybe this is pie in the sky. But, um, you know, when when you have women in leadership positions, a lot of times one of the things that um, that women can bring to it is a more collaborative uh, style of leadership. And I I felt that happening in this last episode. And I think some of that was with Tilly. Mm-hmm. Um, and I and I wonder if some of that will be the case. And uh, although I could see Saru doing that as well, because Saru didn't Saru was not really a top down kind of guy like that's not, mm-hmm. you know, he wasn't like going to bust people if they didn't. You, anyway, so Saru, he he definitely had some different characteristics and what you think of as a typical alpha male captain. Right. But yeah. um, anyway, I just I think I think it would be kind of cool to explore um what that can look like i don't know if they'll do that in season four but you know they they did that a little bit with um janeway but couldn't do it fully with janeway because she's still competing against the male captains that are in all the previous series you know i i don't know Mm -hmm. so like there was still some anyway i i I just sort of like like janeway might have made room for this narrative to to be more open to that uh yeah whereas because because now now we've we've already seen yes the women can be captains we have several mm-hmm, examples mm-hmm. um yeah i um i forgot what i was going to say but yeah oh I think, I, I I think... actually actually uh, what i what i i do i now remember uh so uh saru i think specifically does mention that collaborative nature or rather he i think that's what he's seeing in tilly when he picks her as as the um this the first officer because he, he says something to the degrees that like she has a respectful relationship and she knows like everyone on the ship and has like a good sense of like what their abilities are so like i i think that if if tilly does stay on as first officer like that i can see that vibe at least coming from her um yeah i mean and this is this is what i wonder right like did Saru tell tilly why he was picking Burnham over Tilly. Like, was there any explanation of the fact that Tilly was staying as EXO? There wasn't. In fact, in the pre-promotional shots of this episode, Tilly's wearing a red uniform at the end in the, like, guard of honor for Burnham. And if you pause the episode, you'll see that it has been done very poorly in post that it's been changed to blue. You can't see it in the in the footage when it goes by, but if you compare the blue on Adira's uniform to Tilly's, they've changed it in post. And so there's obviously something there and I think before I get to a quibble I have, I'll say that the Vance-Burnham scene was very credible. I think it did a great job for Vance. I think it did a great job for Burnham. I think it, like you said, Bill, I think it wrapped up the Saru aspect of this really well, which I, I appreciated. It didn't make Saru a bad captain. Um, 
But I will quibble with Tilly's desire to get rid of her own leadership, which I did not like. I think Tilly could have, in that yeah. bridge scene, easily been like, that's a great suggestion. Let's do it. Can you, like, act on it? And we could have seen Tilly maintain control uh, rather than hand it over. I think the other thing, just for me, is this is, again, a very minor quibble, but I... Well, we can talk about it when we talk about Saru next week and, and his stuff. But um, I do think Burnham comes to this with one of the like most unique personalities in terms of captaincy and, and one of the richest pasts as a captain at the point that we first see them as captain. I think a lot of the other captains, we've, except maybe Cisco, we've seen them right away be the captain in the chair. So we don't have to consider who they were before that. And I think this is a pretty unique opportunity. I think Burnham's personality also is, and her attitude towards leadership is, I think, somewhat uniquely focused. And Emily, you, you have something to say in reaction to this. You, as you it just dawned on me that the two black captains that have headed up a Star Trek show both started not as captains and had to have several seasons of exposition of their characters before they were able to become captains. Anyway, that just... yeah. There That's is interesting. Th- don't forget the captain in Lower Decks, whose name I'm not forgetting. Freeman. It's Freeman. It's been all of one month since we watched. It's been, yeah, it's been three, yeah. four months, but Freeman. But she's, <laughs> but, but she's not the um, she's not the number one on the call. She, you know what I mean? Sure. Like, like Burnham and um, Burnham and Cisco were both the number one of their their respective shows, and both were not captains when the show started. You know, Cisco was a commander. Mm-hmm. Anyway, just when yeah. you said that, it just dawned on me that the two shows that have had a black a black actor leading the, you know, being in the main role, mm-hmm. um, they ended up becoming captains, but they didn't start out that way. And it took a few seasons to get them to that point. I, I'm just, just commenting. I'm not, you know, yeah. just yeah. dawned on. I didn't think about it before. Yeah. So I, anyway, just, just to wrap up, I think, I, I think that my process quibbles shouldn't take away from the fact that, uh, as y'all have said, that this is a really great, I think it made sense in the finale. I think it, it gives us a, a great opportunity for next year and to see what this, uh, who becomes the XO and, and how that happens. I think it's going to be Tilly, <laughs> but I, I, I do think it leaves us some question mark. This is another one of those dangling strings that needs to be pulled. What happens to Saru? Um, and and how that gets intro- how, how he gets in, in uh, reintroduced to this crew because he's in in filming right now so uh, we'll, we'll Doug Jones is so we'll see what happens. Uh, just want to acknowledge that the decision to give Saru a heroic moment where the camera slowly pans away from Sakal and Saru's back in Kelpian, you know, full Kelpian, and, and it it was just I I like you know, gave one of those like end of breakfast club type fist bumps uh, <laughs> when that happened. And I paused for a few seconds because it was so happy. He's so badass. I'm so happy with how they wrote Saru's character in this episode. Yeah. yeah. He's able, he's able to make the connection to Sakal, be considerate um, and judge where Sakal needed a gentle bump, but not so far that he screams again. <laughs> <laughs> reburns. Yeah, yeah. The galaxy doesn't take a hard right this time, <laughs> and um, you know, so so I, I appreciated the the complexity of him in this car- in this mm-hmm. episode. But uh, moving on, uh, one quick quibble before we we finish. 
I think this episode was another one where there's a bunch of exposition during action. And since it was an action-heavy episode, I think that makes sense. Because the writers were, we gotta get somebody to say this stuff. But, like, all of the stakes in this episode, especially, I think this was most galling when, like, Burnham and Saru, or Burnham and Kalber, I forget exactly who's talking, at the end where Kalber, Saru, Adira... And Sukal need to be beamed out at the bridge. They're like, you're here. And there's like a few seconds of like happy words. And I'm like, yo, time's ticking. Beam yeah. them out. The ship's breaking up. Yeah, we Come can on. chat about this later. <laughs> yeah, we can be happy in a few seconds. Just do it. Um, and, and there was stuff like that. Like the suicide mission where Tilly's like, <gasps> the oxygen's running out. <gasps> a few paragraphs in my script say I should be reading this. So... <gasps> Let's talk about it. And it's like, no, just give the order. You're the captain. Just, let's go. But again, these are just process quibbles. And, you know, it, it didn't take away from the from a good episode. So um, any, any final thoughts about the story and writing that y'all have? So. All right. Well, let's take a break here. We'll come back with our talk of memorable moments, expansion of the world of Trek, and character notes. And the uniforms. And uniforms, of course. Whole new section, every episode. Regardless of which show we're talking about, we're going to discuss the Discovery uniforms. Okay. <laughs> Commander Burnham. Lieutenant Sayle. You found your way home. As did you. And I'm so grateful. Thank you. Thank you. You asked to see me, Admiral? I did. <laughs> when my daughter first started studying math, she refused to use numbers. She draw pictures instead. Wasn't aware you had a child. Yeah, she and her mother, they left a while ago. It wasn't safe for them here, but I will join them one day. The point being, she didn't do things the right way. She did it her way, and it worked. Not long ago, we were standing right here, and I was staring into you for not doing it the right way. But I'll be damned if your way didn't work, too. Welcome back to Strange New Takes. We're discussing That Hope Is You, part two, and it makes me wonder if there was a part three would it be like, that hope is ye, part three? <laughs> you know, it's also going to be halfway through season four. What yeah. was it? That hope is none, part one? <laughs> oh, boy. Pretty sure that was a show with a season, sorry. But anyway, mm -hmm. uh, let's talk about expansion to the world of Trek. Uh, we found out some new stuff for the Trek universe here. Got to hear some new things. What, 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 did, we, what did we get this week, gang? So Osira mentions uh, some tidbits about Orion anatomy, including the Orion heart, which apparently has six valves and can pump in both directions. Um, I, I, you know, I mean, writers to Star Trek like to change internal organs of aliens that <laughs> otherwise look completely human. You know, <laughs> like Orion's look, I mean, from the exterior, they just look like humans with green skin, but apparently they have all these anatomical differences, which I guess is cute. Um, and I think in, you know, having your blood pump in both directions inside one vessel, that's like, you know, how you get 
Like people get their feet amputated, you know. Yeah, I, I don't think that's <laughs> right, like it's not. It's not positive, right? <laughs> uh, yeah, um, and but you know, fine. And uh, and then we also uh, see a Kelpian ship for the first time, which is pretty cool. Yeah, and it seems like the outside was just uh, copy pasted from Star Wars. It has that like <laughs> that that uh, lowering wing design thing going on. <laughs> it would be funny if the emperor is like in there like it also has the turbulent of voids that discovery has and he's just falling through them but or that, um, that's what was so scary and made him scream was the emperor shooting lightning out of his hands because that shit's pretty scary typically when when star trek designs ships there's something reminiscent of the world and i i kind of saw some stuff that might be reminiscent of the like groves of trees and and the sea and in the kelpian mm. design and I, i'd like to take a look more at the design elements of that ship and and maybe we'll get to see more now that saru is on on kaminar hmm. um let's see another thing we learned was that uh holodecks can make mind people real uh so it's and there's there's a lot of interesting stuff here like it's it's kind of weirdly implied that gray is actually there and not just sort of a, a figment of uh, uh, of Adira's imagination, like uh, which I, I I don't know. It was, it was it, there was very strange logic happening where Gray is going to go look outside, which is okay because Gray is not corporeal, which to me would also mean therefore Gray can't go outside because that doesn't make sense. Uh, but. I, I don't know. So at the very least, I, I think this uh, we don't necessarily have to go down the route that I was talking about earlier uh, in the season where uh, Gray is definitely going to be resurrected out of mushroom space. Gray is apparently already there. And we we know that there are Starfleet ships that have holographic bulkheads. So every, there's hollow emitters, emitters everywhere. So uh, Gray can probably just be a character that's holographic in season four, and they don't even need to do like a seven episode arc of like uh, occasionally going to engineering being like, well, what if we use this crazy transducer to plug it into the mushroom network and then blah, blah, blah. Like we just turn on the hollow emitters and there's gray. The mobile emitter is also something that, you know, exists. And and we're in the 32nd century, so we don't need that 29th century tech. (laughs) That's right. That's right. Yeah, I I think this is another, again, this is one of those strings that's been put out there, and I don't know what the writers are going to do with it. I think mm-hmm. there's uh, significant questions about how the mechanics of it. However, I did like the part where Gray was the emotional outburst of the mobile emitters being turned off. I think that was a very powerful moment, and, and it gave me something that I hadn't thought about when it was happening that like it gives some stakes to that decision to turn off the emitters, mm-hmm. uh, which I, I think was, was a mm. good thing. Um, speaking of mo- the mobile emitter and stuff from Voyager. Hey, we had a lot of Voyager, the USS Voyager J. Uh, unfortunately, it does not have the photonic cannon that can just disable all the ships in its path immediately. And like, you know, puts thunderbolts into a Borg sphere, and destroys it. Uh, I still hold out hope that Robert Picardo is going to come back as the captain of the USS Voyager J as the emergency command hologram, oh, but please. I don't. I, who knows? Um, <laughs> but uh, Voyager has very much normal weaponry in this episode. Well, and we also know that uh, since Discovery went from Discovery to Discovery A, like 
you can't like it's possible that this is literally Voyager. It has the same intrepid class, so this might be that that same ship that's just been upgraded over and over again. Well, we did have that discussion several episodes ago. It's, it's, it's a museum ship, and it can fly this before Captain Janeway has died after their return. So at least it's it survived a few like decades. <laughs> um, the one th- one quick point on that, which is there was some Voyager reminiscent imagery in this episode of when Discovery comes back and flies back towards headquarters and all the Starfleet mm-hmm. ships are there. It's kind of reminiscent of when Voyager leaves the transwarp conduit and comes out at Earth. Uh, yeah. So I thought that there was some callbacks to that. We got to see some new areas in Discovery. Well, one of them wasn't really a new area. It was that, um, the whatever you call that area where the turbolifts travel, which, I mean, I'm sorry. It was cool to see in previous episodes but it's just so unrealistic to be discovery does not look that big like how can there be that much space between how the turbo lifts are moving it does not compute with how i understand that ship to be designed so it just seems like unless it's like some alternate kind of space <laughs> that happens there in it's, the turbo lifts it's so. subspace and because of the dna and dilithium we can fold the <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's a TARDIS. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, it's, yeah. A, it's totally what it feels like. It feels like the TARDIS. So, um, anyway, so there was that. We saw the computer core. That's the area where uh, Osira got killed, right? Yeah. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I kind of liked strange. the the way that it went from kind of greenish to blue. I feel like there was there was a change after it rebooted, mm-hmm. and that was kind of neat. But mm-hmm. anyway, and we got to go to. Well, now, we hadn't seen the nacelles on um, Discovery before, right? We'd seen them in other in other. Yeah, we, we've seen them in Enterprise, yeah. I think. Um, yeah. But, yeah, I, I don't think in, in Discovery yet. Yeah, so we saw that. And the warp, warp core ejection shaft, we've got to see that. We've seen that in, on most most Star Trek series, right? Eject the core! <laughs> so, you know, they had to, they ejected the core on Discovery, yeah, but I feel like there, you know, this is like seeing it like kind of bang against stuff. I was like, isn't it just gonna like explode as it's going out? Like eject the core, ping, 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 boom. The yeah. Ship just... <laughs> yeah, it well, seems I mean, a little so bit more that... dangerous. <laughs> well, and was that to kind of uh, uh, further illustrate the damage that had been done to the ship in the midst of all this? Is that why they had the warp core do that? I don't know, because I was, I know, I I noticed that they had the warp core kind of ping pong off of the. You know. <laughs> it's because but... of. Programmable matter. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> programmable matters. This scene needs some tension. <laughs> Create it with sparks. Um, <laughs> polyploidism is a thing that exists in this world. There's a Wikipedia article that is extraordinarily technical and I couldn't understand it. So I'm, I don't know. I'm just going to go with the, the Star Trek explanation that you can become one with dilithium now. And <laughs> it's that's true. a thing that happens so just accept it and that's what wikipedia says because i can go and edit that page and i, I have a friend who has that who has you know become one with dilithium you know i mean it's it happens so well, okay. you guys it's, well. it's not it's not that complicated it's just when you have when you have a ploid and then if you have several of them then it's polyploidism so aha uh-huh. oh, oh okay. I, hope, I hope that helps clarify got it yes clearest day now um all right, well, th- this is a little bit clearer, which is that now there's mining ships at the dilithium planet. They've figured out a way to get past the radiation, looks like, and 
Discovery is ferrying that dilithium to different worlds. The mining ship's name is the USS Coloma, and it's named after the town where some gold was found in 1848, triggering the California Gold Rush. Hmm. I'm pretty sure this means that we're going to find out the San Francisco 49ers still exist in the 32nd century. So, confirmation right there. There we go. Uh, and I think there are, the last thing is th- there's a... Uh, we get to see the Navarran ships. They they kind of have a Romulan look to them. They have kind of the wings going in. Uh, so that was cool. I, we didn't really get to see very closely to um, discern different types of designs that I could tell. But it's nice to see uh, sort of an evolution of things and something that's themed after the uh, combining of those two, those two cultures. Well, and it was nice that this had multiple ship types too in the end, I think. That was one of the gripes of the Picard finale was like literally all the Starfleet ships look exactly the same. Yeah. Um, so I'm kind of glad that there was some difference. I'm going to be really pissed if like when people close up and look at each ship, there isn't one that's like the USS Titan. It's the same type from Picard. Uh, <laughs> just thrown in there as like that Riker was on that ship. <laughs> but anyway, uh, memorable moments from this episode. We've already talked about the Saru ban up. We've talked about a few others like Hans Gruber. Uh, were there other things that y'all remember with from this episode in terms of moments? I wanted to puke every single time we did an upside down uh, camera angle. We I, there were like five or six different times where like it would be cooler if we show up and we're upside down, and then we like <laughs> s- like weirdly wrote uh, correct ourselves. But, but like we, we did it in completely bizarre places, like uh, twice on the bridge of whatever the the headquarters of the federation is we like showed up upside down to say like we got a telephone call from vulcan uh <laughs> and i i just i don't know it, it was a very bizarre choice the, you know speaking of that actually i saw a picture of the production of the last episode and that is filmed in on like a flat surface with a lot of green skin i mean this is obvious right like the the corridor to like Vance's office is like marked off on the on the floor and then the rest is green so they're just walking down a flat floor and in when we see it it's got like these voids on the either side it's pretty neat (laughs) but um yeah I think I think we had two guards of honor in this episode discovery returning uh, probably from being retrofit uh, because there was no nacelle damage on it uh, to Starfleet headquarters we had the guard of honor as Burnham enters the bridge that's kind of nice uh, it, I think it was nice to see Nielsen back in that second scene uh, of those two and uh, I didn't I don't think Lieutenant Ina was there which is like big diss uh, it was really weird it was like yeah. they just substituted one for the other and I don't understand it's like they pulled an Arium thing again I don't yeah, know yeah like they, they're not in the same they can't be in the same place at the same time because they're the same person <laughs> Right. And also, uh, Nilsson had brown hair in the other universe. So th- yeah, there's just lots of... <laughs> Maybe Nilsson got left in the other universe for a little bit, like had to come back or something. I don't know. I mean, yeah. the explanation here is that Sarah Midish was probably busy and they needed, like, they had lines written and they were like, Ava Blackwell, you've been playing a character on huge amounts of prosthetics. You're it. Come on in. Um, she is a very badass, like, stunt performer, by the way. So uh, if you go to her Instagram, right. you'll see her, like, doing lots of fights. And uh, it's it's pretty interesting stuff. But And 
Yeah, so let's let's talk about characters a little bit. First, let's start with Lieutenant Aina, who is Aina and not Ina, like I was saying last week. So, good for her. We also got... Oh, Rudy's not here. So sad. I know. Oh, it is so yeah. sad. The return of Lieutenant Junior Grade. They only say Lieutenant in the episode, but he's got one thing implying that he's a Junior Grade. Uh, one, one stripe on his people what, listening to this podcast can't see me gesturing. <laughs> he's got one stripe on his badge, implying he's a lieutenant junior grade. So he's been a Starfleet officer 20 minutes, and he's already higher ranked than Harry Kim was after seven oh. years of service. Oh, no. So <laughs> congratulations to Aditya Sahel. He's like shaking Vance's hand. This isn't going to be some Harry Kim shit, is it? No, no. <laughs> it's an immediate promotion. Programmable matter, give him another pip. There we go. All right. That was so great. Oh, yes, my God. Yes, it was. And he's going to be in season four, right? I think. Yeah, I, th- I think so- I think we I heard was thinking, that. Yeah, he's he's back for some uh, filming. I think so, which like, is good. Yeah. I wanted I wanted him to be in more than just that first episode. So yeah, it would have been it would have felt weird to just be like have this really emotional connection moment with him and just forgot about him entirely. Like, but like, that is kind of what happened, right? Like, I mean, we yeah. got this. It's such delayed release, and I guess. Yeah. It's a two-parter, so like, okay. I say, yeah, it's part two. Come on. <laughs> You're supposed to watch them back to back. That's the correct way to watch these episodes, <laughs> right? And then you go back, and the rest of the season is a flashback. Yeah, but so, okay. That's how it works. Burnham says you found your way home, and here's my question: At no point when she was on Discovery, she was like, "Hey, listen, there's this one dude who's like." <laughs> there he wants to be here can we just like yeah that was a big oversight <laughs> like just like smacks her head when they reach the tally thing. oh no that's something i forgot ah it's too late okay afterwards afterwards <laughs> like puts a post-it on her like bulkhead <laughs> and, uh, that's how i do most of my job <laughs> there you go uh okay vance who is actually good like unless yes. unless they pull some Lorca shit next season where he's been bad the whole time, he's good. Yeah, yeah. I think yeah. the president is still tied up as in his office. I, I don't, <laughs> oh, for I sure. don't know. For sure. Yeah, that. I, 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 don't I think like the president maybe he's, he's a nice guy, but but he's still you know. I don't think the president exists. I think he just made that up to make it sound like I don't know. I, yeah. Anyway. Well, I, I love Vance, you guys. I mean, really, really good character, really good addition. Yeah. 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 What? 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 what so, so, tell me a little bit more, right, about that. Like, give me, give me some more about what, what about him is kind of sticking with you right now. Yeah, I mean, I like, I like the actor. I like the tone. Like, he just seems badass. You know, he's like a badass admiral. An and I like that he's kind of yeah he's like no nonsense, and it's it's a little bit morally ambiguous, right? Like we've been alluding to. But actually, it seems like his motivations are pure and his heart is in the right place. He just, you know, has been kind of conditioned by these really cutthroat circumstances to to be the way he is. And I thought when he the scene at the end with Burnham, where he kind of opens up about his family and stuff, I, Oof, that, yeah. that was resonant for me. I mean, you know, because you're not with somebody like that who doesn't do that kind of thing often when they do it like is more weighty. Um yeah, so I and, and I, I love moral ambiguity, right? I mean, as much as I love Picard, um, you know, I mean, Picard is just always good and does the right thing, um, at least in TNG. And 
you know, and kind of modern with modern TV storytelling sensibilities, you can't do that anymore. And I, th I think, you know, Vance was very well handled. <clears throat> I, I appreciated the matter of fact way that he kind of revealed that really tragic thing about his family, that his wife and daughter have had to leave. And it's not clear whether they've left him or just traveled away you know what i mean right and, right and and it's not like there's no like dwelling on it it's not like spending time exploring that at that moment it's just like that's just part of who he is and it's it added so much depth in so little time to his character as well um that i i want a vance centric episode now i want to know more about this character i yeah. want him to be brought into the light a little bit more and i really hope it isn't like haha we've now made you like him Pew, 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 Vance dead yeah. now. Sidhu in charge of Starfleet. Um, <laughs> and so so let's let's talk about Saru and the fact that he's on Kaminar. We've talked a little bit about his connection to Sakal already. Are there anything else character development-wise that we should talk about with Saru? I just think it's pretty cool that now he gets to go back and experience Kaminar as part of the Federation. Because obviously his last experience with Kaminar was not that you know so mm -hmm. I yeah. think that's kind of cool that he gets to go um experience that and spend and, time with him and it was kind of incredible seeing like cities on kaminar when before it was just like tech uh uh fishing villages Help that lines, have almost yeah. no technology so right. yeah that, that was it was a really interesting contrast to see that uh uh from what we've seen before yeah and they suggest in prior episodes that the the kelpians and the baul or like coexisting now, which is yeah, and, interesting. And in the, yeah, the the mm -hmm. elders book, there's a there's an image that shows uh, a kelpian and a bowel uh, holding hands. Right. Uh, so yeah, mm. yeah, it's gonna. I think that that is gonna. I mean, obviously, I think it's gonna be an episode in the in the uh, next season that we're gonna see some exploration of Kaminar, and I think it's such a compelling exploration because, like, imagine. You took somebody from, um, you know, medieval or early medieval England. You sent them to Mars for a while. So they learned that some technology exists. But then you put them back into England and they have to experience Brexit with Boris Johnson. Uh, and they're like, <laughs> what the hell? Uh, that's kind of what we're going to get. I'm kidding we a little bit with that. We need to make that TV show. <laughs> right. But it's, it's still I pretty think like. I would pick that mm -hmm. up. Yeah, yeah, it's it's still I mean, it's still pretty, pretty compelling, though, I think it's a potential. So I'd like to see where that goes. Um, moving on, we find out that oh, oh, Joanna can hold her breath for eight minutes. Was there some exposition there? I feel like I missed some lines. It was quite loud. She was in some kind of cave or like there was some I don't know if it was some cave or there was something that they would do when she was growing up. They, that... they would uh, hunt for abalone shells, I think. Yeah, yeah. And so okay. she had to learn how to, and it was like in in a cave, so you had to be able to hold your breath in underwater cave in order to be able to go in there or something. Uh -huh. Like I felt like that yeah. was. I, I remember there's some mention of like so that they did this for tradition for some reason, but um, mm -hmm. I don't know that we went super deep into it. Okay. Um, she and Detmer shared a very tender moment when she was still alive. That was really nice, uh, I think. And um... well, she is still alive. Yep, that is that is Before. also important. Yeah. <laughs> I, I just wanted to, you know, I just wanted us all to remember that Oa lives. <laughs> oh yes, yes, she does, she does. Uh, and um, 
We had Burnham, who knew exactly what to say when going to warp. None of that Captain Freeman, Saru shit where, you know, you got to think about it for a little bit. Um, yeah. You know, let's fly. What do we think about let's fly? I, I thought it was great. And she was, yeah, she was captain for like three seconds before she had to go, go to warp. And like, it just worked. That's because this was her master plan all along. <laughs> She's yeah. like, I know I'm going to be captain. It's going to happen. And we're going to I'm, I'm number so. one on the call sheet. Like, <laughs> <laughs> she's had two years to think about this <laughs> plus the extra year you know after she got to yeah. the future and no one else was there yet so yeah she's like uh well you know i'm in the chair by default at this point like um <laughs> yeah I, I i think it's good it's a little cheesy but it's good i think it's uh it, it can work and um i i kind of wish i hadn't seen lower decks before this though i think the amount of a big deal has been made between the two shows up to this point i think focuses more attention on it rather than it being kind of like this reveal that it's like kind of cool uh mm -hmm. so so but it, it's nice it's nice uh book is the new stamets Turns out the folks from that one planet are empathetic enough. I wonder if Betazoids can also do that now. Um, mm. Which I think is a smart mm. way to be like, we don't need to clone Paul Stamets. Anthony Rapp only needs to play one character, and that's it. Yeah. Although it, we, we've we mostly destroyed the Federation and rebuilt it. Maybe it's okay to genetically engineer people again. We also didn't hear the um, book name explanation when he said, like, I'll tell you later. I was like, that's not going to happen. And it still hasn't happened, has it? It, it, it was like a, We just know it's his mentor. Yeah, so, like, some I assume a human uh, who is a big fan of Ohio uh, just showed him how to, <laughs> how to live his life. Big fan of the song Ohio by Crosby, Stills, and Nash, not the state. So, uh, yeah, yeah, because, you know, probably the state's gone by this point. But music lives forever. OK, That's right. Especially if it was written in like the second half of the 19th century. Yeah. Or the 21st, I... 20th century. What the hell? <laughs> 1900s. It was, oh, it was over 930 years ago. So it, it's hard to remember. <laughs> they would have um, made that mistake. I, I like book in this episode. I thought it was kind of nice that we that he was he didn't like buckle under torture or anything like that. I thought there mm. was there was some internal consistency with his character, and I've really appreciated it. The whole like grudge is a queen reason to like destroy Hans Gruber was nice. I thought like defending a cat is always a good reason to knock the big bad off the turbo That's lift. Right. And uh, let's let's move on. Let's move on and talk about Tilly in this episode. What y'all think? She clearly was not ready to be captain because she gave that up awfully fast. <laughs> she was like, here, you're back. Take it, please. I don't want to do this anymore. I don't like it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <You know? laughs> yeah. Even though I thought she was pretty good. I felt like this episode continued to show that she actually does have what it takes um, yeah. to do. So it, it planted the seeds like. You know, when you first meet Tilly, you're like, really? She wants to be captain? Okay. You know, like, you're not really mm -hmm, thinking mm -hmm. that that's something she could be. But now it's like, oh, she wants to be captain? Well, hell yeah, she could do that. So I think it also, this, this is not an original thought. This was in the um, references to canon thread on Star Trek, or Star Trek on Reddit, where somebody said that this was the, the bridge officer test that Deanna Troy gives in TNG, where you have to send a colleague to their death. Mm -hmm. This was... This is what Tilly was doing. And in some ways she was confining herself to death as well because they were just sitting around without the oxygen. But she made the hard call. Mm -hmm. Right? So mm -hmm. I, I I was impressed by that. 
Stamets had very two moments, two long looks at Burnham, essentially, in this episode, and that's it. Um, and it's not over between mm-hmm. him and her, although he he is in the honor guard in the new uniform. He kind of has to be, though, you know? I mean... he's it's, uh, Fingers are crossed at the back, like... Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Uh, so, so that's... Well, you know, and I think it's almost like a double cross, because not only did she send him off, you know to get him off the ship but then she replaced him with her boyfriend so he's probably just like yeah <sighs> yikes oh yeah i didn't think about that <laughs> angle that that he'd been replaced um and how that might he was make really feel. important i mean how many of us actually are in positions where we really are the only person who can do something all of us are replaceable right all yeah, of us yeah, are expendable yeah. but he really wasn't expendable and now he is so yeah. that's changed things a lot for him I, I mean, we have had we have had hints where he has wanted to go back to more of a research position and mm-hmm. not be in Starfleet. This this does open that up for him uh, yeah. now that he has a potential other person who can do the job. Yeah, I wonder what the potential for a cost reshuffle is. I hope that they don't like all of these people. But yeah, you know. same. Yeah. yeah. But what, what about Culber? What do y'all think about Culber's presence in this episode? He had one last uh, talk to him about yourself. It has to be you uh, when he he told Saru that he's the person that he, that should be talking to uh, Sakal, which I, I think was actually correct in this sense. But uh, I just I thought it was funny that we we still gave him yet another one of those scenes this episode. I mean, maybe that's what's how Stamets is going to fix his problems. He's going to go. Calber going to go to Burnham and be like, you're the only one who can change this. And. You know, <laughs> Um, I mean, Culber's just basically, he. I mean, he's like a good life coach or something, you know, you got to live into who you are created to be or whatever, you yeah, know, I mean, that's yeah, kind of what yeah. he does. Live into your purpose, live into your truth, live into your... It's just good that he's, that we have no more money anymore because uh, otherwise he'd be fleecing us. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he, I think, would be a good choice of first officer for Burnham. Oh, honestly. absolutely. Mm-hmm. I, I, think, I really I think, want a first yeah. officer, uh, Culber. That would uh, be great. Let's, uh, Adira had very few moments in this episode. They're shown as a Zahian, by the way, which is kind of in, in the hollow program. Oh, right. Uh, I didn't get, it's, it's hard to recognize it without the, um, the whole hair thing. Right. And that's, that's from the short trek where Tilly has that queen, future queen of the Zahian planet who's going to mm-hmm. extract Dalithium. So it's kind of an interesting callback to that. And the, I liked their explanation for the whole uh, radiation pills where Rudy brought this up and a bunch of people on the internet noticed like, why does Adira put the pills in their mouth when beaming? And they explained that we could hear you on, on Discovery. So we knew what had happened. Oh, mm. that, that's I missed a, that. Okay. It's like it flew by as a line, just like, by the way. There's a line in the first part where somebody, uh, I think Tilly asked Bryce, like, where's Nilsson? And Bryce says she's in the nacelle or something like that. And that's why Nilsson isn't on the bridge. Uh, uh. So there's these, like, little things that the writers are throwing in to explain, like, basically to catch the internet questions and give them answers. <laughs> but uh, we also see explicitly now that Adira, Stamets, Culber, and Gray are a family unit, which is an interesting development. Yeah. It's kind of nice. I, I, you know, we've we've had mentors before, but we haven't had this kind of explicitly familial kind of mm-hmm. uh, moving past the mentors into that. So that that's really nice, uh, and I appreciate that. 
well, that's kind of it for our character stuff. Uh, so why don't we get some strange new ratings? If I'm going to ask y'all to be quick with this one, I'm going to throw them in the spreadsheet. But we're running a little long, so let's uh, let's get it done. Uh, so for me, uh, I'm I think I got to rate this one a six. Uh, I th I think it kind of undid a lot of what was great about the previous episode. And that was just kind of frustrating for me. Uh, we solved the resource scarcity by MacGuffin. Uh, just, yeah, lot, lots of stuff that just was kind of disappointing to me, even though it was on theme. I'm going to... I'll go... Oh, go, okay, ahead, go ahead, Emily. Oh, I was going to say, I'm going to actually give it a four out of five, mostly because I was really hoping they wouldn't leave us with a cliffhanger. And I should have trusted <laughs> them because they haven't before. Um, but they didn't leave us with a cliffhanger. They did wrap it all up. Hmm. They did kill Osira and leave her dead. They did kill that other dude who I don't care about, who is just, you know, <laughs> evil for evil's sake. And so, you know, I gotta, you gotta give them props for that. Um, but I think I, yeah, yeah, I'll just, I'll leave it there. Okay. I'm going to give it a septiploid, which is seven ploids. <laughs> Uh, out of 10. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree. With, I agree with. Are you sure it's not heptaploid? That, wouldn't that be five ploids? No, I, I, I think both can be used for seven, but we'll see. Whichever okay. sounds cooler. All right. Adam, All right, I said it's a septiploid. Now I'm going to put this into Google. canon. I don't know. Um, yeah. Yeah. They're septiploid, uh, heptaploid or septiploid, seven sets apparently. So okay, funny. okay. <laughs> Number of sets of chromosomes present, the ploidy level. <laughs> How does Sadness working on this keep a straight face? <laughs> anyway, keep going, keep going. Um, yeah, it was fine. I mean, there, there were, there have been worse finales. Certainly in Discovery. <laughs> yeah. You know, but it wasn't it wasn't great. I didn't find it to be that emotionally resident in in you know, except for a few exceptions. So I don't know. But I think it does, you know, it sets it up really uh, in a really interesting way for next season. Mm -hmm. Uh yeah, mirror everything that's been said up to this point. I think it just about hit my rewatchability threshold, mostly because of its importance as a finale. So I'm gonna dump it in the seven on ten. Uh, which I think is fair. It's the same uh, rating that I gave the third episode of this season, which is where they went to the Trill world, I think. So, oh no, that was the one where they went to the Earth, where they went to Earth. So, yeah, I think that's fair. All right. Well, one other serious thing actually to discuss before we uh, wrap up here um, that kind of pissed me off, actually. Uh, Memory Alpha has had a bit of a moment this past week where one of their editors, so it's a Wikipedia-style place. Everyone can edit articles, but there are editors who kind of make the decisions about whether something's appropriate or not. There's been a long discussion there about whether Adira can be classified as quote-unquote gender colon non-binary in the sidebar of the thing. And now, I mean, this isn't the most important thing in our world, except for what it implies about the people making that decision. The editors claim that it's because we haven't heard it be explicitly said in the show. It's not canon, so we can't, like, come out and... I, I believe the line was something, like, about pronouns, but it wasn't something about gender. I haven't read... I cannot go through five, like, long 
paragraphs of replies that someone has given defending a position like this. Let's just put it that way. It's so obvious mm. to me. It's in the shows like press releases. Yes, technically they can change it later if they want to. That's not going to happen. Come on. You don't make this a decision of this gravity, publicize it, and then walk it back. Just put yeah. it in, in the sidebar. It's a momentous thing. It's something that should be celebrated. Mm -hmm. However, the outcome here is that I believe every single character on Memory Alpha now has had gender removed from their sidebar, which listening to the non-binary community, at least some folks from the non-binary community are talking on social media and Reddit. They say that they're happy to have it be completely removed. And it's actually a bigger win to have that than there being Adira's gender having to be specified. So again, the reasoning for that, I think I'm not the right person to convey that. So I'm not gonna try to, I, I don't wanna get something wrong and, and misspeak. So, but just know that this fight has occurred and it is still disappointing to me that this fight had to, that there was an editor who thought that this was a hill to die on. Yeah. And that this was something that needed to be to be said. And it says something about our culture that that happened. Um, hmm. So I, I wanted to point it out. I wanted to make sure that people knew that this had occurred. Memory Alpha, I feel like if you're a Star Trek fan, you've probably spent some time on it. If you Google anything Star Trek related, it's the top result. So we should know that about that site, that, that yeah. this has occurred. Well, anyway, with that, thank you, Bill. Emily and Adam, and specifically thank you for not saying anything about the uniforms. So uh, I appreciate that. We'll talk about them at length two weeks from now in our four-hour uniform extravaganza. <laughs> part one. <laughs> right, part one. <laughs> 13 weeks later, we'll talk about it again in part two. Uh, all right. Well, but thanks again for being here. I do appreciate it. Thanks, Notch. Yeah, yeah. thanks, Notch. <laughs> yeah, no thanks, problem. Uh, thank you, Rudy. Thank you, th Max. Thank you, Dino. Hopefully, we will have you back on the show at some point soon. Uh, thank you, listener, for listening to us. We do appreciate it, as always. Uh, thanks to Shunguha for recording our theme music. We do appreciate him. And his podcast, Geek Fruit. If you want to listen to that, you can. Uh, and also, finally, I just want to thank those little programmable matter squares that the TurboLift zoomed through as it was zooming in. They formed and the TurboLift went through. Without them, we wouldn't have any way to know where the, the TurboLift was heading. And, you know, it's really confusing if you're outside the TurboLift hanging on, as, Star, as Starfleet personnel are wont to do, <laughs> to be like, where is this TurboLift I'm hanging on to, which happens way too often. Maybe we should, like, figure out a way to prevent this. Where is it going? And now we know because those little programmable ladder things are there. So thank you to them. All right. <laughs> we'll see you next week for the season wrap-up. Goodbye, everybody. Bye. Bye.